Oh, it is Monday. It is hot outside, but it is cool inside. Dave Vaughn from The Firm is here, as always, on Monday, answering your phone calls, your questions about employment, severance, you've lost your job, you feel you might be losing your job, or you think something's on the horizon. You want to give us a call here tonight, right up until 8 o'clock, to get those questions answered. And uh, we'll get to that. Details on the severance pay calculator and always a couple topics and your emails we covered tonight. Uh, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com through email. Dave is here in studio and answer the questions tonight. First, we get to a segment we always like to start off with pal called the week that was how was the week it was good john and i actually have a uh, bit of a different spin on it this week uh, okay. at least for my first one this one's going to be the uh, the week in th- the news we're going to be focusing on oh. not an actual case we did and uh something uh, that's uh, gotten a lot of press uh coverage today is the uh, restaurants of i think I believe his name is susher lee uh yes. in toronto here and uh, they had a policy where they didn't uh, where they would reduce or uh, deduct tips, um, the tips from uh, the servers, um, based on mistakes they made. So if they, you know, poured the wrong drink or, uh, you know, broke someone's, uh, you know, broke a glass or broke a plate wow. or, uh, or you know, someone skipped out on the bill, they would actually reduce that person's daily tips by that amount. And um, shockingly, this actually was permitted uh, until June 2016. So uh, prior to that... Uh, time, the Employment Standards Act didn't address tips and hmm. gratuities. So an employer could do essentially whatever they wanted with respect to tips. It was just governed by the common law. So, I mean, if they had never done that before and then all of a sudden instituted it, it would be a, instituted a, a deduction policy. Right. That would be a constructive dismissal. Um, but it was not addressed in the Employment Standards Act. And now, with legislation that was brought up, uh, brought in last June, uh, so June 2016, employers are prohibited from doing that, prohibited from reducing or deducting tips um, from employees unless it uh, goes to uh, tip pooling, so tip sharing. So when you share with uh, the people in the back, the chefs, bartenders, and whatnot. So that's still that's allowed, uh, but you can't do it for damaged, uh, you know, damaged uh, plates for uh, you know for mistakes basically that they've made. Um, and uh, so apparently this this restaurant had been doing this until last week or two weeks ago. Uh, from, what I, from what I can understand. Uh, so it's a, a, a big issue right now going on, and uh, the employees are, are wondering what to do. And it's getting a lot of people talking in the industri- restaurant industry because it seems like it's an industry that uh, isn't, uh, you know, isn't necessarily uh, you know, a lot of, uh, isn't governed very effectively. And the, a lot of the restaurants, I think, do whatever they want in terms of the, uh, the Employment Standards Act. So uh, it's an interesting issue going on in the news uh, right now. And uh, there's, uh, I did a, a, an interview with CBC on it. Um, earlier today, and uh, everyone seems to be quite interested in everything that's going on. Yeah, we've had many calls, as you know, over the last you know four and a half years. People working in the restaurant industry. It does seem like a little bit of the wild, wild west out there. But what is the what's the potential fallout from this? Not so, only for Susser Lee or for anybody else running an establishment like that. So, uh, prior to June, if, if it happened prior to June 2016, there's nothing you can do. Yep. But uh, any you know tips that you lost uh, if you're a server over the last uh, you know year and two months. Uh, you can actually pursue those with the Ministry of Labor uh, as if they're uh, similar to accrued wages. So it's as if you weren't paid your wages. And so if, you're, if you work at the restaurant still, you can pursue it. Or if you, you quit, even if you quit or you were let go, uh, you can still pursue it uh, for uh, any tips that you lost over the past uh, year and two months since June 2016. Uh, and uh, if, if you're doing that... Um, you know, before doing that, I would still recommend uh, you know seeking legal advice because um, we, you know you may actually have uh, other entitlements such as severance and termination pay that you don't want to ignore. Uh, you don't want to forget about that, but uh, you know that's something to uh, take into consideration because I know a lot of uh, I assume a lot of servers do uh, do you know 
do lose uh, tips on, on account of that. So this is no longer anything that an employer of a restaurant, owning a restaurant, can write into an employment agreement. They can't you, do it. You can't do it. It's uh, yeah. similar to the minimum wage in the sense that mm. you can't contract out of that. Even if you want to work for less than minimum wage, you can't do it. Just like this, you can't agree to give up your tips and your uh, gratuities uh, because of uh, mistakes that you make. What else you got going on there today, pal? So another one I had was a, uh, a pretty uh, straightforward constructive dismissal in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, the employee was there for 12 years, 48 years old, an account manager. And uh, a week or two ago, they told him that uh, he could only work. They're going to basically reduce his, uh, his uh, hours to four days a week as opposed to five. Uh, so they said, uh, you know, for 12 years he's worked five days a week in normal schedule. And they said we're gonna you're only gonna be working four days a week, right. and we're not gonna be paying you for that extra day. Well, obviously that's a, cl- a constructive dismissal. Um, you know, they're taking a huge chunk of his, uh, you know, about 20 percent of his wages mm-hmm. away from him, right? Uh, so and the company didn't know that. We wrote to the company. They quickly uh, ha- had a lawyer involved in the situation. We were able to resolve the matter uh, on the basis of uh, he actually got a 12-month severance package because they realized too they couldn't they just couldn't afford keeping him anymore. Um, now at, initially, what they tried to justify was was we can't afford to do this anymore. But that's not a justification for making a change like this, and it's not a justification for not paying severance pay. What what would have been the fallout if this employee had not phoned you guys or gotten contact with the firm and allowed this to happen? Yeah, that's a great question. So right. uh, you know, after you know several weeks, I'd say, especially if he didn't uh, voice any concerns, it would eventually just be uh, you know he would be deemed to have accepted this change right. to his to his employment. So uh, it's important he called. Uh, you know, you have a couple weeks usually. You know, it depends on the amount of time you've been there, but you have a several weeks. To, uh, to do something about it, but I always recommend dealing with it as soon as possible. Even if you say, you know, I'm not happy about this, but uh, maybe I'll give it a shot for a couple of weeks to see right. if it works take out a spin, for me. Take it for a spin, yeah. Right, and that's, that's especially important, uh, you know, at least giving it a shot when there's a, let's say there's a change in the bonus or the commission structure and you're not actually certain about the uh, reduction in pay. Uh, I see that all the time when they say, well, they're changing the commission structure. I think I'll lose this amount, but I don't know yet. In that case, you say, I'm concerned about this, but I'll continue working right. to see what happens. Uh, and you, you wouldn't be deemed to have accepted it if you, if you voiced that concern. We'll take a, a short break. We'll get into the severance pay calculator, your phone calls as well. Just getting warmed up. It's the Monday night edition of the Employment Hour right here at Talk Radio, AM 640. If you have questions about your employment severance, something you've always wondered, or something that your neighbor told you about what your severance offer should be, I guarantee you they're incorrect. Get the correct information on that and so much else here tonight as Dave Vaughn and myself taking your calls here right until 8 o'clock tonight. The, uh, the severance pay calculator, Dave, give us some more details on that. Yeah, it's a uh, great tool to use uh, if you're uh, let go or if you're just uh, if you're worried about uh, getting uh, let go. And basically, you uh, log on to that uh, that app and you type in your age, your years of service, and uh, your position, and it'll provide a an estimate in terms of the amount of severance that you'd be entitled to under the common law if you are let go. Uh, so it's a very helpful tool, and uh, I find uh, it's great before I, t- you know, before I speak to a uh, to a client, to a, a potential uh, a client, that when they've looked at that first, then they have an idea about uh, and some background in terms of what we're going to talk about. And uh, every time I uh, I do speak to someone, and they've looked at the severance pay calculator, they they think it's a mistake or they're surprised right. by it, right? <laughs> They say, oh, I looked it up on, on uh, Google and it said it's only a week per year of service and the Ministry of Labor told me it's only a week per year of service or eight weeks it maxes out or something like that. And uh, as you know, there's no magic formula in terms of month per year or weeks per year in terms of de- uh, you know, determining mm-hmm. severance pay. We have to look that- at all the, all the factors, right? Age, years of service, position. 
and that's that's really the reason that we you know we've been saying this for you know as long as the uh, you know the calculator's been around that the real reason why this is put together is because people their knee jerk reaction is to phone the Ministry of Labor and they get the wrong information they get minimum entitlements and they walk away with you know leaving tens of thousands of dollars as you guys say on the table right yeah definitely and uh, the other issue is uh, at the time of termination uh, oftentimes the employer will provide you with a letter and it'll say what the you know the minimum ESA entitlements are uh, whether it's eight weeks or, or more and uh, but then they'll also give you a, a bit more many times. It's not a lot more, but, you know, several weeks more. And they'll, and they'll say, you know, we're being generous. This is more than the Employment Standards Act minimums. Then sometimes people will, you know, they'll take their word for it. Then they'll you know, call the ministry. The ministry says, yeah, you know, all you get under the act is uh, is eight weeks or, or, or what have you. And uh, the people end up signing these agreements, these termination agreements, and then uh, in the release, and they're out of luck, and they can't go for the full severance package. And, you know, right. you could have, uh, you know, if you work at a smaller company and you have you know, 30 years of service and you're in your 50s, um, and you're, uh, you know, any type of position, really, uh, you know, whether it's a laborer or technical position, you could be getting, you know, somewhere in the 18 to 24 months for the severance pay, yet under the Employment Standards Act, you'd only get eight weeks. So, so um, it's a yeah, huge difference, so, uh, right? Yeah, we're going to get to our uh, calls here in just a moment. I want to get into this, though, the, uh, the termination of employment. Is it more difficult to terminate for cause of an employee who has worked for the company for a long time? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's very difficult to establish just cause for termination in any circumstances, and this is particularly true for long-service employees. Uh, the courts are just simply not going to believe that a long-service employee all of a sudden became a problem after you know, 30 years of, uh, of employment. Uh, the employer will need to show that either the, uh, you know, the incident was extremely serious, such as theft, uh, assault, uh, violence in the workplace, fraud, um, or time theft, or basically just uh, you know not showing up for work, uh, something that's so serious that it really ruins the entire uh, employment right. relationship. Or they'll have to show that um, you know a pattern of uh, of serious misconduct and that the employers warned the person, provided uh, you know uh, warning letters, performance improvement plans. They've helped. Uh, tried to help the person uh, with their behavior, and they just have no chance of improving that. And in that, in those types of cases, then maybe the employer can establish cause. But yeah, in any event, it's it's very tough. Uh, I don't care how um, you know how many warnings you've you've given this, the person if they have a, if they're a long service employee, they've dedicated you know several uh, you know decades of their life to the company. They're not going to establish cause very easily. Hi, good evening. How are you? You're on the employment hour. Hi, I'm good. Yourself. Hi, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. Oh, my name is John. John, how are you, pal? What's uh, what's your concern? Yes, my concern is uh, there's a company that I was uh, working for for the past two years, but I get uh, I was uh, working for them as a self-employed, and when I get the job after after I passed the interview with the manager and the owner of the company, they told me that it's a it's a contract, but they will get the contract to me as soon as uh, they get in touch with the lawyers because their lawyers have been working on it. So. As time goes on, I remember I asked them about it like twice already. They told me like the lawyer still working on it. They haven't get a new any good news from the lawyer yet, but they will have it and distribute the contract to all the drivers. And recently, as of last week, as I was um, as I was driving and then waiting to do some deliveries for them, and I received a text on my cell phone from the from the owner of the company told me that. Uh, they no longer need my service because uh, this person said that they can't work with me anymore. They don't like me. And then that was it. Huh. When, I, wow. when I, tried, I tried to talk to him and then he said, like, it's not me. It's this patch. John, uh, how long did you work at this company for? I worked for them for two years. 
and you're a truck you're a truck driver that is correct and did you uh out of curiosity did you uh travel across the provincial or federal borders or were you just all all in ontario all in ontario yes Ontario. and are they are they providing with any termination pay at all no not at all they haven't uh, give me anything or do anything they just uh they just let you go like that yeah, they just let me go. The owner said that we no longer need your service. Your service is not required here. And how old are you, John? I'm 41. 41. Now, are you and are you paid as an independent contractor or as a uh, as a, as your own business? Yes, that's yeah. always paid. Happens a lot uh, in the trucking industry. Uh, did you do work for any other uh, companies, or was this 100 percent of your income? 100 percent my income, and they did not allow you. To pick up anything else from anybody else because they they get their contract from one of the biggest companies, which is UPS. Right, so they don't want you, uh, you know, making side deals, right? Yes, no side deal, uh, side deals at all. Okay, so despite what they've told you, uh, you're not a contractor; you're an employee, uh, especially if you're not allowed to do other work. Um, and so, you know, they owe you severance pay, um, and that's based on your years of service, your age, and position. And for someone in your position, you'd probably get somewhere around four, uh, as much as six months uh, termination pay. Uh, and uh, from what I understand, they're giving you zero, right? Yeah, nothing at all. Yeah, so before you do anything else, John, um, please uh, give us a call, and uh, we can uh, we can contact the company for you and help you get your severance pay because that's uh, that's obviously not right for them to do that. John, here's that number, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. We'll take a short break. I, feel, I see you there, Frank. We'll get to you next. Frank, good evening. Hey, how are you this afternoon? Good, Frank. What's going on, pal? What's your concern? Uh, uh, not much. I just got a quick question. I've only started listening to you guys recently, so you may have already answered this. Um, this is actually regarding my spouse. She's a manager at a, at a store here in Toronto, and... Uh, lately, she's been understaffed, so she's been picking up the hours for many more of her employees, but uh, she's not getting any extra compensation because she's on a salary. So I'm just wondering, is she entitled at the end of the year to a certain amount of maybe money or maybe times like days off or because um, her employer has never really actually ever went up to her and explained any of this. She just knows that she's well, uh, working well over 60 hours a week. Um. Yeah. So I'm just curious to know if she's entitled to any compensation for this. Good call. Yeah. Great question. Uh, and uh, so is she, um, in terms of manager, is she pre- performing more than you know? Is 50 percent of her work managerial? Over oh, 50%? absolutely. Yeah. yeah she's okay. Even doing other type of jobs that uh, the employer should be doing, like. Um, so she's basically filling in for you know what should be done by other employees, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the problem is because she's a manager, she doesn't get overtime. Okay. So she she can't claim overtime or anything like that. So there's no uh, you know easy um, you know easy answer in that sense, okay, um, and that's okay. because she's a manager. Uh, now, but what uh, you know what could happen is um, you know I, I don't know what's the increase in her salary or sorry in the in the hours she's had to work. Like what are you uh, are you well, talking ten ten hours a week or? Yeah, maybe even upwards of 15. Wow, okay. So at some point, um, that could become a constructive dismissal. Um, and what that means is uh, she you know, started that job and had performed that job for, you know, I assume, a number of years yeah, uh, or at least yeah. months um, on the basis that she worked a certain amount of time. 
Okay. Yeah. And yeah. if the employer all of a sudden has to start getting her to do, you know, 10, 20 uh, more hours a week, uh, that, that really changes the whole, you know, relationship and changes her job. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, basically what I would recommend her doing is, you know, speaking uh, to the uh, the employer about that issue, uh, voicing her concerns and saying either, you know, I need to be paid more and to be paid for my time or you just have to hire the you know additional staff so I don't have to perform, you know, perform these ridiculous hours. Exactly. Yeah. And if yeah. they if they won't budge on that, she could think about considering herself to have been constructively dismissed. And what that means is even though the employer didn't technically terminate her employment, they've you know changed the terms so much and effectively paying her less, right, because she's yeah, working way more. Yeah. Um, and they could actually, uh, she could consider herself to be constructively dismissed and get a severance package. Um, okay. So, how but, long has this been going on, Frank? Did you say how long she's been working more than her hours? Uh, uh, I don't. To be honest with you, uh, from just this year alone, and maybe last year as well too, because she's they've been understaffed for some, quite some time. Or that uh, because the the type of work that they do, they do a lot of heavy lifting and stuff like that. So a lot of times people are off on met leave. Uh, and then she'll have to cover for them because they only have a certain amount of people. So you know what? She documenting? She documenting hours she's working extra? Please absolutely. Tell me she yeah. She yeah. Is, see. Absolutely. Good. Excellent. Yeah. So, so she, cool. what she should do is speak to them about that. See if they'll rectify the rectify the situation either by paying her more, um, you know, a better salary or some type of bonus, or yeah. by getting new staff. If they don't, and, and she should put that in writing. If they okay. don't do it. Uh, at that point, she she may want to consider herself to have been constructively dismissed. But before she does that, uh, she should give us a call uh, yeah. because it's important to handle it the the proper way and uh, the legal way. So yeah, yeah, and try to get as much as you can without getting uh, yeah, yeah. short sided. Yeah, that's right. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. I really uh, appreciate the time and uh, love listening to you guys. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for the call, Frank. Frank, really appreciate that as well. And back to your phone calls forthwith right till eight o'clock tonight. Uh, Johnny, thanks for hanging on the line. How are you? I'm not too bad yourself. Excellent. Uh, what's your concern, Dave's there? Uh, my concern is, okay, I understand that anything ab- above and beyond the ESA entitlements, the employer has a has a right to have you sign an agreement. So uh, what happens now if in that agreement there are clauses or restrictive covenants in there that you don't agree with? How can you get your money? Yeah, so you actually have no obligation, as an employee, you have no obligation to sign a restrictive covenant. Because at the end of the day, what you could do is you could go to court and get your full common law entitlements, and you're not going to have to sign a release or a restrictive covenant uh, to get those entitlements. So, so the only way to do it is to go to court? or No, no, but that's how we have to analyze it. Because what, what I would always say is, you know, you owe him, you, you owe him this uh, severance pay, whatever the uh, amount of months are. Let's say it's, you know, two years. And, um, you know, I just say there's no obligation to sign a restrictive covenant, so he's not going to. So you can either provide him with the severance pay he's going to get in court, um, and he's not signing the, non, you know, the non-compete or what, what, whatever the clause is, or, um, you know, he's So in get... that case, you just basically walk away with your, with your minimum entitlements, is that right? I mean, in most cases, you can negotiate uh, and, you know, a fair severance package, and they won't make you sign a non-compete. I see. Well, thank, thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Johnny. Appreciate that. Uh, Brenda, good evening. How are you? Hello. Hi, Brenda. Go ahead. Okay. um, I am am an employer, and I have um, one of my office staff that wishes to go from a salary, a a 40-hour-a-week salary, $25 an hour, to down to uh, 24 hours a week. But she basically doesn't really – she wants to do the job in three days or four days or three days and still get the same pay. Now, that sounds I, ridiculous. 
Yeah. And I was <laughs> proposing that, okay, we do the $25 an hour times 24 hours that you wish to work. Yeah, I mean, you have no obligation whatsoever to provide her with you know, less hours of work. I mean, if she's if her job is says that she works 40 hours a week and she's always done that, she can't just say, oh, I'm going to go down to 24 hours a week. Okay. Um, so you have no obligation to let her do that unless she has some type of medical note saying that, which I don't think is the case. No, no, she just decides she would like one day a week off. Right. So, uh, and, you know, if, if that's the case, you, you have all the leverage because you don't have to okay. give it to her. So um, you can, you know, you can make an offer to her. So you can say, I'll let you work, uh, you know, this amount of hours a week, but you're going to be paid, uh, paid accordingly. And if you're okay with that and, you know, and she's okay with that, um, you can move to that, uh, that arrangement. But if you do, I would have her sign an employment agreement acknowledging that, mm-hmm. uh, acknowledging that she doesn't have, you know, future uh, rights to dictate her schedule and her hours of work. And you can even get some other clauses in there that uh, potentially would protect you. Okay. Now, uh, and she gets a bonus, like $2,000 a year bonus, and she gets full benefits, which I pay. Yeah. I pay three fifty a month for benefits. Now, what about benefits if she's part-time? Because I'm going to have to hire another person part-time to do the rest of her job. Right. So, I mean, that that's something that you'd take into consideration in, in terms of uh, you know coming to an agreement on her new hourly wage, right? Um, if you're going to have to pay more to someone else, or in terms of the benefits plan, uh, that's something that uh, you know. If you're giving her a, uh, you know, if you're working with her and giving her something she wants, uh, that's something that she should have to, uh, you know, give up essentially. Um, and what I mean by that is not give up the benefits, but at least have to pay a portion of it or pay right. more um, to cover the the loss you're uh, you're taking. It, basically, right. you should not have to ha- take a loss on this. No, no, and that's what it appears that. Um she she is expecting from us. Yeah, absolutely now, what about, not. What what about when uh, you know a statutory holiday comes along? Is it the same thing? The last four weeks divided by twenty. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. that's how it's calculated. Yeah, because yeah. she will. Yeah, she'll still need to take those. Yep. Okay, and uh, anything else I need to worry about legally? Well, it's tough to say without seeing you know really getting into her entire uh, you know looking reviewing her employment file and her contract and really understanding her full um, you know everything that's going on in terms of her terms of employment so um, if you want a uh, you know a full assessment of how to handle it and uh, the type of contract to get and, and whatnot uh, I would uh, encourage you to give us a call in the morning and we can discuss it okay okay all right Brenda here's Thanks, the uh, Brenda. here's that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred that's the call outside of show hours just to just to clarify restrictive covenant Give me, a, give me a definition of that. Yeah, so a restrictive covenant is anything that uh, prevents or prohibits the uh, employee from um, working after the uh, during the employment relationship and after, um, and or hinders their ability to. So the classic uh, restrictive covenant we think about is a non-competition. Well, non-compete, right? Yeah, yeah non-compete. Sure. So you know you can't work for any competitors uh, in the GTA uh, for twelve months. Uh, another one that is more likely to be enforceable is the non-solicit. So you can't come after our employees and our customers um, for uh, you know similar uh, for 12 months. Uh, non-competes courts do not like enforcing. Uh, so you know those are viewed as you know you're unfairly preventing someone from being right. able to earn a living, right? Uh, especially if they're let go. Uh, so I would you know I, I don't know uh, the situation. I think it was Johnny who was calling about that. Um, I don't know his specific situation, but if uh, they're trying to make him, uh, you know, sign a non-compete um, to get his severance package, that's that's not reasonable. There's no reason he should ever sign something like that, uh, unless you're getting a really good deal on severance pay. 
So a non-solicit's more like if you work for a you know a big woodworking shop and you go out and you open your own woodworking shop, you can't pinch their clients for. Yeah, you can't go after. Saying, right? Yeah, that's right. right. So and yeah. courts are more likely to enforce that because you know you're not preventing the person from working or earning a living. You're just preventing them from going after your clients. Right. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. We'll take a quick break here. Get back to more of it. The phone lines are open. Star six forty on your cell as well. And uh, anytime you want questions about your employment, severance, your boss, or you are the boss, probably, or if not, give us that call. It doesn't matter the angle. We answer them all. We were talking earlier, Dave, and our subject for tonight, basically termination of employment. So is it more difficult? We've gone through this, but just want to hammer it home. Is it more difficult to terminate for cause an employee who's worked for the company for a longer period of time, a long-service employee? It is. The longer they've been there, the harder it's going to be to terminate for cause. Reason being? It's... uh. Your courts don't like to uh, find that someone, uh, you know, they have cause to ter- an employer's cause to terminate uh, the employment relationship. Cause is reserved for the most serious types of misconduct. Uh, they, it's been called the death penalty or the capital mm-hmm. punishment of the employment relationship. So if you're going to allow that to happen, uh, if you're going to, uh, you know, take away someone's livelihood and their their salary and their job, uh, it better and not provide them with any termination pay or severance pay whatsoever. You better have a really good reason for it and. Uh, that is uh, obviously more, uh, you know, hits home harder with uh, the uh, long service people, right? Yeah, I guess it's a matter of, you know, someone's been working there for 25 or 30 years. All of a sudden, now they start messing up. <laughs> yeah, know, they've been it, stellar for three decades, but now they're the pariah in the workplace. Yeah, right? and a lot of the time it's, uh, it's a way for employers um, to try to avoid paying severance pay. And it's, right. it's sad to see when someone, when that's how, a, you know, a, a 25 or 30 year employment relationship ends. Well, it looks like the other end of the coin, then. What if someone's only worked there for, say, a few months? Does that mean they get a week or two severance, as they thought? Yeah, that's a very common uh, misconception that, oh. you know, you've only been there for uh, several months and you don't get, uh, so I don't get a lot of termination pay, you know, the whole mm-hmm. uh, week or even month per year of service issue. But you, know, you still have to look at the age and the position. And, you know, if you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s, if you have a senior position or a technical position that uh, that isn't uh, easy to replace, uh, even if you have uh, you know several months to a year uh, worth of service, you're still going to get somewhere uh, usually between four and six months of severance pay and possibly more. Got uh, Jerry on the line. Good evening, Jerry. How are you? How you doing? I'm Good. What's going on with you? I'm I'm in the same company now for 13 years. Hmm? I'm in sales. I've been probably I've been the highest productive salesman always. Like the, my my the business I've generated has been number one now for 13 years. I was made sales manager of the company, but I'm 68 years old, and from what I can feel, what's going on, they want to they want to move me out because of my age. And I'm just wondering if that happens, where I am financially. Yeah, great, great question, uh, Jerry, and uh, quite a common one. Um, you know, you do uh, you work hard for an employer for uh, you know many years, and then all of a sudden. Uh, you know, they decide that uh, they want to go a different direction because, and a lot of the time, it is because of age, um, and uh, especially you see it in the sales role, in the sales type roles. So, are you currently the sales manager, Jerry? I'm the sales manager of the company. Yeah. And I think out of the last ten years, my sales have been in my own territory have been number one in the company, like nine of the last ten years, hmm. on top of my responsibility. Right. So. It, Here's the thing, Jerry. Um, if they let you go, 
and um, you know, they're not going to ever tell you. Well, they'd be, you know, it'd be really bad if they did. I'd be shocked if they did. But they're never going to tell you that it's age is the reason. But I, I think we all know that's where it's going. And let's say they do let you go, um, they would owe you, um, you know, somewhere in the range of fifteen, sixteen months worth of severance pay. Yeah, because I make like one hundred and twenty-five, like a year. Yeah. Okay. So sixty-eight sales manager, thirteen years of service. I mean, you you'd be getting somewhere between fifteen, sixteen, even as much as eighteen, a year and a half worth of severance pay. Um, I assume you don't have an unemployment contract. No. No. I, so you have nothing to worry about in terms of the severance pay you're going to get um, if they do let you go. And then the other issue here, Jerry, is if any part of their decision was due to age. Um, they're also going to be on the hook for uh, human rights damages because you can't well, terminate have, someone's age. I have text from the owner of the company saying, you know, like when do you plan on shutting it down? Because we have to make um, plans for the future. Right. So, you know, when when do you plan on shutting it down? Which to me is like saying you're old. Yeah. yeah here's here's your hat. What's your hurry? Yeah. And, and you do see that, and people think you know he thinks he's just looking you know trying to plan for the future, like you say. But you know that's age discrimination. So make sure you keep those texts. Um, yeah, I and, everything. Good. And in terms of response, you just you know you don't just say I'm you know I'm I'm I, I'm enjoying my work and I uh, no plans at this point to sh- to to retire or, or resign. Well, it's it's if they offered me if someone came to me and said here's the kind of buyout i'd probably go that direction yeah of course but but just be kicked to the curb like that ain't gonna happen and here's the thing jerry if you tell them that you're interested in a severance package or you might retire soon they you lose leverage and they and they they're gonna give you they're gonna make you a lowball offer so what you wanted you want them to think and and understand is that you're happy in your role and you don't you don't picture retiring anytime soon okay anyway like yeah I'll, i'll be in contact yeah, definitely, Jerry. Yeah, don't sign anything, too, and uh, don't commit to anything uh, before you talk to us. Yeah, Jerry, that number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's get Jim in here quickly before we uh, before we break. I want to talk to him. Hi, Jim. How are you? Uh, good. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you? Uh, well, I was uh, let go from a company uh, because of CCAA protection. Yeah. And of course, they I got nothing after uh, seventeen years there. And the same the company is still around. The name is still there. And I've reapplied for the same position that I was doing before and never got a call back from them. Yep. Now, I'm 61 years old, so I'm not sure if there was anything I can do about that. Unfortunately, no. Um, you know, CCAA protection is designed to allow companies to restructure and uh, and you know sell assets and, and whatnot um, without having to um, you know pay severance pay. Um, and, and I think people saw that in the uh, the Sears uh, situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's not a lot you can do in that regard. Um, now, in terms of applying for the job, uh, it, it can't hurt to do that. And uh, you know, if they do ever, if they do hire you, um, there'd be a very, uh, very compelling case to be made that um, they should recognize your previous service. Right. And I think the court, you know, it, it probably would lean towards that, towards recognizing that service, unless um, you sign something saying, "No, I, I you know, I, I, I give up my service, or I, I you know, I, I acknowledge that they, you know, do not recognize my service." 
Jim, for you and Jerry, moving forward, that number is one 821 5900 And the email anytime, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to uh, Paul here. He's been hanging on. Hey, Paul, how are you? Hey, Paul. I'm good, thank you. Good, what's uh, going on with you? I've got a question for you, some clarification. Uh, I've been advised that if I had a human rights issue file as well as a civil litigation file for employment, I have to go with one or the other. I can't go with both. Can you clarify that for me? That is uh, not correct at all. Uh, many uh, civil litigation files uh, you know, for wrongful dismissal also uh, involve a human rights claim. So basically you're allowed to bring, uh, as part of your wrongful dismissal, a claim for human rights damages against the employer as well. Uh, now, the, the, I don't know the context in which so that was told to you. Human rights aren't limited to twenty-four thousand. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, this guy's a labor lawyer too, so he's just passing me off on this or something. Well, I, I can't speak to the individual circumstances of why that advice came up. I can tell you that um, there's not many human rights cases that I know of, if any, that have been have awarded more than twenty-five thousand dollars. Um, to so usually you don't get more than that for human rights damages, so that I don't know if that's right. that that was that was the issue. Now one of the things you you know I can see how this came up this uh, you know, confusion is that you can't generally if you're going to get a, accept a severance package. So we negotiate a severance package for you. Um, you can't you're going to release the employer. So you're basically saying. This covers everything. I, you don't owe me any more money. You won't then be able to go and bring a separate human rights action after you settle the employment matter. Right. But right. If you can still file both at the same time. You can. Uh, in, in many cases, uh, usually the human rights complaint will be basically stayed or delayed until you deal with the human right or sorry the uh, the wrongful dismissal, especially if there's overlapping issues. Oh. And that's why it wrongful is best. Dismissal. To just bring it all in right. one claim, so to do the wrongful dismissal and the human rights okay. case all in one. How long? Uh, how long have you were you Already. with this company, Paul? Paul, Paul how uh, long? It was only about nine months. Yeah. Okay. But um, I'm sixty, sixty-two. Yeah. Okay. And what was your job? Uh, I was in the uh, event fencing business. So. Okay. And yep. you know what was it a sales job? No, I was a uh, laborer, but uh, yeah. I was injured on the job and hmm. okay. placed on restricted duties, and then they laid me off. Okay, so it does look January. like it was a medical medical uh, disability in terms of why you were let go. Uh, there also could be issues with the uh, Workplace Safety and Insurance uh, Act there. If they fired you because of a workplace injury, they could be in, in trouble in that regard as well. So, uh, right. Well, that's where the the second uh, filing would come into place for human rights. So Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but again, when I if if you want to give me a call uh tomorrow, I'd be happy to speak with you and just provide some clarification. Uh I would likely recommend uh pursuing it all as one um one action. So, uh, the wrongful dismissal action and the human rights complaint all as one um because we then we can get everything dealt with um and we're dealing with uh you know a, a, in one process and not have to uh, go back and forth between multiple processes. 
And that'll pretty much do it for uh, tonight, my friend. Moving forward, you need to get a call of uh, Dave or Lior at the firm symbol, 1-855-821-5900, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And as we made reference to it several times tonight, the Severance Pay Calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. Until next time, that being Wednesday night, right here at 7 o'clock, the Employment Hour Talk Radio, AM 640.